Hello and welcome to the No Holds Barred Witchcraft Podcast. Chris, have you heard of this Poppins woman? I don't know who you mean. A Poppins woman? No. Mary. Supercalifragilistic. Expialidocious. Yeah, supercalifragilistic. It sounds quite atrocious. A Poppins woman. That Poppins woman, you know. From 1900s time. 1900s time. 1900s, like the 1900s. I said, do you ever watch that program where they get a bunch of modern day people and make him live like it's like in the 1900s? Like no, no. Have you never watched that? No, yeah, they I've take a family. That. They take a family and they put them in the 1900s house. So it's like what they do is, I think each episode, from what I remember, is a different type of house. So they take the family and they'll put them in like a rich person's house. So they live a rich person's life for a week. And then they'll put a family in like a poor person's house. But it's all from the same era as the 1900s. Okay. It used to be a, a, a TV show. I don't know what it was on. I thought, I think it might have been Channel 4. But it was one of those things like Dad and Sarah used to love because they want to be Victorians, don't they? Okay. So they can live vicariously through people on television. You'll incidentally hate it because life was pretty crap back then. But yes, 1900s house. Anyway, we're talking about a Mary Poppins's. You know, okay. it's a Disney film, isn't it? Yeah. And I watched that other one, which was Saving Mr. Banks. That was a really good film, actually. I that was a good show, actually. Film. Really there good was film. a Mary Poppins too. I thought that was absolute trash and shit, and I do not Did recommend you? watch it. No, oh, I, I liked it. I, I loved it. Off. Mary Poppins Returns. It was bullshit. Don't like it. As far as I'm concerned, it never happened. Like the final season of uh, that show with the dragon. <laughs> oh, uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah, that one. Never had a final season, did it, Chris? No, it didn't. <laughs> right. So, that Poppins woman. Mary Poppins is, if you don't know, is essentially she's supposed to be a nanny, but a magical nanny. She's like Nanny McPhee, but better. Right? Politer. Yeah. Um, so, do you think that Mary Poppins was a witch? Would you define class her as a witch or not? Oh, that's tricky. It is a podcast, so don't stay silent for too long. We'll <laughs> lose subscribers and viewers and listeners. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm finding it tricky, so I'll I'll think out loud. Sorry. Right. Good. Um. I've just spent the last few hours with women talking at me. So being able to use my voice is a, is a, a strange occurrence for me at the moment. Ah. Um, so just trying to get out of that mode. So the, the reason I'm saying it's tricky is because Mary Poppins comes into life when you need her. Yeah. So, I don't know. Being there at the right time is a very witchy thing to do. Yeah. But actually providing a service that they don't yet know they need. Is, is that a witchy thing? Well, if you're going by the old-fashioned definition of witchcraft, which is Maleficent, Bing for Evil Magic, Mary Poppins doesn't seem to do a lot of that. But I never notice whether she charges. I presume she gets paid for it. I don't know. Maybe she reaps their soul at the end of the life. I don't know. But I'm going to presume that she's nice. Okay. She does get so, paid because she turns up after an advert has been put out for a nanny. So... To her, she's received a call. Yeah, but she will do naughty things. I mean, there was all these gusts of wind, which was of a paranormal nature that blew away all of the other competition nannies, wasn't it? So she will destroy people if necessary in order to get what she wants. 
she doesn't have a problem with using black magic for new job spells, does she? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I kind of, I don't know, I'm sitting on the fence with it. Because I'd love to call her a witch. Whereas I don't feel necessarily she is one. She's a magical practitioner of some description. She yes. doesn't she doesn't seem to need to use objects and tools. She has that carpet bag thing, right? Like an enchanted carpet bag, but she seems to be able to do it herself. If she sits on a banister, she can go up the banister or down the banister and not fall yes. off, which is magic in itself. She likes to, she likes to play with the laws of physics. Sorry? She likes physics. Yeah. She manipulates things. She's a bit of an alchemist. Yeah. But not the sort of alchemist that just mixes stuff up. She's like a real-time alchemist in that she can do it straight away. She don't need to wait for something to brew. No. Which makes... Which makes me question, which is where I'm sticking. So I, I haven't mm. mentioned the other side of the argument. So the other side of the argument is that's far more goddessy or trickster spirit than that is necessarily flesh and blood. Right. Does that make sense? She bends okay. the laws of physics a little bit too easy to be just any kind of magical practitioner. Well, do you think that she could be just a Victorian funky shaman? Because, like, some kind of alche alchemical shamanistic approach to magic. Because I've noticed something, which I don't think everyone else has noticed, right? And it's a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. Now, anyone that's done, like, practical alchemy will know, particularly when it comes to making spagyrics and stuff, that, yes, you may distill the um an extract but you're left with the plant matter which then you're supposed to incinerate and turn into a fine powder i'm wondering whether that sugar in itself is actually because she seems to feed the children an awful lot of sugar and then they go and trip out chris <laughs> i'm wondering whether she's got shrooms or some other kind of uh, thing going on well, you think it's all a trick, eh? Well, I'm guessing that potentially what may happen is that she just gets all these kids uh, high on something, and then she does kind of like what you see in like these films with the, the voodoo people, where they like turn people into zombies by blowing that zombie powder in their face. I suppose she just like sees Mr. Banks. She says, Mr. Banks, he goes, yes, Miss Poppins. <laughs> and then he just blows all this sugar in his face. And then he kind of like <laughs> rubs his nose and is like, I can't for the life of me remember what we were talking about, Mrs. Poppins. Because she does manipulate him a lot, doesn't she? She's very manipulative. It's one of my qualities that I like in people. <laughs> I admire yeah. that in her. <laughs> I don't know. I think she's so much more than that. Do you think that she is a corporeal being or do you think that she's just some some woman that's possessed or do you think she's some incarnation of a god goddess or something like that or do you think that she actually does attend that old-fashioned victorian uh, nanny's school because they actually did that in fact my stepmother was one of the last people to be trained in the official like old-fashioned nanny schools like she had to go to this place in clifton and they teach you silver service and you're supposed to they basically don't train you to work in nurseries like they do nowadays they train you to go and live with a very affluent family and learn etiquette and stuff they still do uh, that it's still a no, thing butler school at that point that's butler school there's not oh, very yeah. like it used to be that was the, the only way that you would learn to be a nanny would be to go to one of those places but now you can do like um nursery nurses qualifications and stuff like that at college or uni and they don't teach you what spoon to use in that trust me chris i know people that have been on those they teach they you do. Actually, no they I, fucking don't i they know don't. yes liam there no, is a they may not do it in the are you telling, are you telling me about. that on those nursery nurse qualifications that you go to that they will put a book on your head and make you walk up and down the room 
and that if it falls off, they will smack you on the ass with it. Are you telling me they do that still? Because they used to at the Mary Poppins Institute in Clifton. Liam, Liam, what I'm telling you is just because the MVQ exists, which I'm yeah. pretty sure it doesn't, Liam, I'm pretty sure they've changed it now. MVQs went out last season. Um, I but, don't think they had MVQs, did they? It was a so, proper... I'm not talking about just because that. I'm just saying that just because the MVQ now exist doesn't mean that there aren't. I don't think that's how you do it, is it? So there are etiquette. There are still etiquette schools that do these things in the UK. Yeah, but they're they're, they're upper upper echelon stuff. Right. What I'm talking about is that that was the only way. It used to be the only way yes, you would become not, a nanny would be. It's to go not to the only the way now, but she's not no, one of the last ones now. to do it that way. Yeah. It still happens. But it's not the only way. It's not the go-to method. No. So if you if if you hire a nanny, the chances of or a childminder, or you send your kids to nursery, the chances are they haven't graduated from some Mary Poppins school. Whereas it used to actually no. be like that, because the only people that could afford that were extremely rich. And they expect someone somewhat middle class, I suppose. If they're going to be looking after the children, Christopher, then we can't be having them teaching them but any also, bad habits. Liam, you need to remember, she's not a nanny. She's a governess. Is she? Yes. Why is it that they advertised for a nanny then? Because it's an Americanized when they made the oh, movie. Oh, Walt Disney don't know what Disney. he's talking about. Oh, I so see. She was a governess. Ah, I see. Right. There is a difference between a governess and a nanny. You're right. But Very maybe that so. is lost on our American friends. More it was certainly it. lost on Walt Disney. But I'm going by the film, you see, because that's what most people will know Mary Poppins is from. Yes. Poppins Woman. That Poppins Woman. But that's also why lots of Americanisms make out, make their way into polluting the English language. Yes, I hear lots of very politically minded people talk a lot about how our youths and such are being corrupted by the media. You know, it's that gay agenda, Chris, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I keep warning you about the power of that pink pound. Yeah. Right, okay. So she's obviously, she's got magical powers of some description. Now, presumably, she learnt them. So did she go for some governess Hogwarts course? Did she graduate from Hogwarts and then go to governess training or something like that? What do you think happened? I'm still convinced she's a she's a spirit of some kind. Right. I can't imagine that there is a um, <laughs> a magical governess school, mini Hogwarts. But I like the idea that there was job. I like I'm the sure idea. I mean, if there was, it would be in the Victorian era. I mean, it would be like a slightly better equivalent of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. You know, the Golden Yawn. Imagine if they had like a nanny governess edition like chapter <laughs> that would be so cool though wouldn't it that would be fucking cool no I most mean, things I have been done i wouldn't be surprised if in the royal household there still is a magical nanny of some description but that's because if they were willing to hire john d in those days then um i imagine there's a still a magical tradition there of hiring magical potentially, staff potentially maybe i mean in modern days their security is a little bit lapsed isn't it so but yeah okay so uh, so she's got magical powers they're not just all tripping out she's not just feeding them shrooms or something right i don't think so i think it's right. unfair to call nanny mcphee a shaman Mainly because no, she hasn't got testicles. Nanny McPhee. Nanny McPhee's cursed, isn't she? Because of the warts and match. The more they learn the lesson, the prettier she gets. Of course, judging by the end result, they never truly <laughs> learn their lesson. But they learn it enough. 
Leave Emma Thompson alone. She's amazing. <laughs> well, she's not ugly. She's just television ugly, isn't she? You are so rude. There's television ugly. You know, like Ugly Betty. Did you ever watch that show? She's not actually ugly. She's television ugly. Because if they put she's... an actual ugly person on there, then people wouldn't sympathise with it and the ratings wouldn't okay. be applied. They just yes, get like yeah. they, they do. Girl. They do tend to take prettier people and therefore normalise them. Well, they take fairly normalish, high average people, and then they make them ugly on camera. Is what they normally do. And I'm pretty sure, having talked to people that do work in similar fields to that, that actually. It's just human bias in that if they act, if, if they got ugly Betty and got someone that was genuinely ugly to play her, people wouldn't sympathise with it because people don't uh, people don't sympathise with ugly people. There is a there is a, a a drama teacher that once said, "Acting is about truth, and truth is about beauty." And you, Liam, look like a liar. <laughs> <laughs> What bullies they must be. They were. Yes. Um, so what can the what is the things that um Mary Poppinses can do? Because she can do she can jump into alternate realities and also take people in through them, can't she? And then she also seems to be really quite nimble and nifty. She doesn't fall off of the rooftops during the, you know, chim chimney thing. So is that just ballet school? Or is that magical kind of like gravity boots or something? Well, maybe she's got a cat spirit in her. Maybe she's got a cat spirit. Also, also, there's kind of a bit of an animistic vibe going on because she seems to be able to just talk to everything. So like her, um, I was going to say broomstick, but her, umbrella. Umbrella, you know, talks to her, random things kind of talk to her that wouldn't normally talk to people. So obviously there's some degree of psychic ability or something, but also when they're talking to her, then other mundanes that are around can also hear. So there's a lot of psychic rubble as well. So she must have some sort of psychic ability, surely. Mr. Chris. It sounds that way. So I, I was fixated on the word psychic rub off. Sorry. Psychic rub off, yes. Where you as a psychic hang around with a bunch of mundanes and your psychic nature rubs off on them and starts to activate them. It's probably one of the only real benefits of being in a coven with actual magical practitioners as a beginner. <laughs> because it does, it does. I've watched it happen loads of times. You know, where you get like really mundane people that don't see, sense and feel anything. But when they're around other magical practitioners, their ability starts to kind of phase in. It kind of turns on. Um, I understand that I said turn off, rub off, turn on all in a, essentially a paragraph. So maybe that's got you going. I don't know. Is that why you're smudging the place? Getting rid of the negative <laughs> No, I just realised that this is the first time I've switched my laptop on in a few days. Ah. Hence, hence the problematic moment earlier. But that, yes, just in case. Mm. So is Mary um, Poppins a goodie or a baddie? Did we ever answer that? I would like to say she's neutral, you know, because you gave me two options and I've got to take a third. But that's just because... I suppose you could argue she's leaning on the good, but she doesn't have any problems punishing the bad either. So mm. I kind of, and tricky is, she, she's very much the witch's path in that sense. Mm. She's morally grey, which I think is personally a, a very witchy trait, mm. is to have grey morals. Um, That's very true. Because the morals bend in order to fit the situation of the client. Um, and for her, very much you can take it. I suppose that's the bit for me where she is very witchy in the sense that she takes 
takes clients um, and it's trial by fire, like they must get to the end. Um, and eventually they'll realise that they're, um, you know, better. There's an interesting one in the Saving Mr. Banks thing, because it says in that, um, uh, so, you know, the author basically turns around and says, oh, you think Mary Poppins has come to save the children, implying mm -hmm. that actually she's come for the benefit of the adults. And although she's looking after the children, she's supposed to be teaching the adults a lesson. Yeah. So that's that's an interesting one to point out. Um, but she also, she goes where she's needed. But do you think that she has a specific magical role? Because some would say we have a specific magical role, but we use a certain format to go around doing it, hence the witchcraft shop and such. Does she have a specific magical role, do you think? But that she just uses, like, being a nanny in order to fulfil that role? I suppose. I'm... I don't know, because that's always my my thing with it is there are lots of children that could probably benefit um down the road at the workhouse um where yeah, she deal with the children she she picks the adults doesn't she she's yeah. she's there to keep the capitalist machine working because old mr banks he was meant to join the you know take his seat at the Illuminati <laughs> and the world, surely. That's what Mr. Banks was supposed to do, no? Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but she made him learn morals. She made him learn morals. So maybe she's more manipulative than we actually think. Mm. Also, how many people actually realised that Dick Van Dyke actually played Burke the chimney sweep, but he also played the bank owner, manager man. Yes. A lot of people don't know that. It took me years and years and wow. years to work that out, even though it's in like the end credits. Oh, wow. But now I've seen it, I can't unsee it, you know? Oh, I think I'm just used, it's too many years of diagnosis murder. I can spot Dick uh, Van Dyke anywhere. Mm. So how does one, next time they're in the city of Bath, Chris, you know, where you used to live. Yeah. When the street performers and that, you get the ones that make the pretty pictures on the paving slabs out of chalk. How does one jump into the, the painting or into the picture without jumping on the picture and being chased away by said street artist because you've just ruined <laughs> his picture is there a technique people need to use because this is high jeopardy chris if they're to go out and practice this they cannot afford to get it wrong and if they do get it wrong they best be hoping that they can run faster than the street artist so what techniques do you use for uh you know jumping in well astrally would be the obvious one so with that, you wouldn't need even to remember what the painting looks like. You just need to remember its location. Um, or, you know, some people need a few more, um, what they called, training wheels. Mm. Um, so maybe snap a picture before and then taking that picture home. Um, so they've got something to focus on. Me, like I said, I would go geographically so mm. probably use use the location rather than necessarily what it looked like um then there's all the rest you know all the things you accused her of at the beginning of this so shrooms. there's shrooms and other psychogenic you know that can be used to assist shall we mm. say um and obviously there's the more traditional hedge riding riding ways, as you mentioned, a broom. Um so do you think she loops up her um her um 
umbrella with flying ointments. That how you think she does? Maybe. 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 Do you think Lady Poison can fly with an umbrella? We might have to ask her if she's got a flying umbrella. Well, I know different a different t- TV show. Uh, well, different movie, but that's one of my favourite parts of Practical Magic. Well, in Sabrina the Teenage Witch, they used to use um, vacuum cleaners, didn't they? Because they're like yeah. the new rooms. Yeah. <laughs> or flying cars. They got some flying cars yeah. in that as well, hadn't they? Yeah. But yeah, they I, I loved in Practical yeah Practical Magic at the end when they jump off the roof. Okay. So I thought that our tarot readers out there this should be a technique that they should be technically really good at because you talk about opening cards up so you look at the tarot card and fall kind of into that world so if you're looking at the four and it's the rider weight uh smith deck then you've got that jolly idiot with his little knapsack and a dog about to walk off a cliff potentially um opening that card up so you kind of zoom into it and then you're in that world fall into it and see other things you know you see bigger parts of the landscape and other things that's going on and maybe it's moving because you're there i find that it's like that i think that tarot is one of the good ways in which you can practice that um but yeah i people talk about opening up cards but i never see people using things like that to practice opening up a picture or opening up a realm because you could do that with runes but most people would really struggle with that because they're not very visual hence why they're so secret yeah but we've given homework before to people i think we've even given hieroglyphics haven't we i'm sure we had one with that yes we've given all sorts of things over over time um because yeah we just we like people to use that as much as possible mm. um in order to kind of push people's psychic ability like you say mm. that kind of rub off but um you can't always rely on that um which is why i hate coven work generally speaking but that's you've always got that lowest common denominator part but anyway um yeah so the that's how practice makes perfect with working with as many different kinds of locations i've got a horrible deck of cards and i don't know if i've shown you them liam they're phoenix ones that are designed to do exactly that for past life regression um where there's a series there's a series of drawings of different periods and i hate them because the the cards are painted with kind of what feels like historical artifacts mm. as a trying to give you a a linchpin to kind of bounce from but the the problem with that is that sends me to a place rather than access to that potential shall we say of those particular time periods um so I find I find the object quite distracting. Um, so therefore, the the cards are difficult. For, the, the, I just don't like using them. Um, whereas you'd think someone would do something slightly more abstract, yeah, in order to unfocus your mind, in order to allow that to happen, um, and allow you to kind of, you know, work through whatever aggression problems you've got. Um, but they're not tarot cards. They're kind of um, they're sounds like some sort of oracle deck yeah but they're not even not like that because they're not for readings yeah they're purely for kind of meditative practice um but yeah strange right well that's it for the regular edition of the no holds bar witchcraft podcast you can join us on a thoth witchcraft patreon for an extended edition of this episode and a bunch of others but you've got to pay for it guys we need the money we want to be rich witches chris don't we <laughs> right now we're on the patreon
there's a lot of a kind of magical things displayed and i think it's like you know is the way in which things were done from a um special effects perspective back then you know nowadays with all the harry potter stuff it's all like and like all of these things you see on television it's all like beams of light whizzing out the end of your finger or your wand or all that sort of thing you know back then it was kind of like no they just used to kind of just hold on an umbrella and levitate or they just go up the stairs or they just jump in there might have been a few flashes of light and stuff like that in cartoons but it seems to be very much a case of it just kind of happens you know so what are the limits that you would say for an intermediate magical practitioner in this day and age for what they can do in terms of physical manifestations much like the mary poppins um it's tricky to for me to kind of gauge if we go from kind of like the poppins is mm. there is that kind of so levitation and those sorts of things are obviously possible um but most practitioners struggle with that being able to do instantaneous magic mm. so because they focus in this day and age people are so used to the harry potters mm. um so you know kind of moving a glass across a table or whatever doesn't feel flashy enough yeah for most practitioners these days um so it's tricky because a lot of what we do is astrally based um and yes they can have quite physical effects instantaneously mm. but they're not showy enough they don't do the kind of disney special effects of you know um i go to kind of cinderella more so you know with the trans transmutation visually uh if you're watching a pumpkin turn into a a stagecoach like that kind of practice is bending the laws of physics in a very compressed amount of time um which is very easy to do in fourth dimensional living but is very tricky to do here oh. um that fixation we have here on time that restraint of time bending that often takes a lot of energy unless you are very good at slipping between the cracks um what people tend to do is think oh well that would just require lots and lots of power to do i won't do it um. whereas actually there is room there to if you're able to find the gaps and bend bend the odd law here rather than trying to go straight to um, pumpkin to stagecoach mm. there are stages that you could break that down to or you could skip ahead um mm. i find skipping ahead or slipping through a lot easier in terms of instant manif manifestation because it's instant for the person seeing it it's not necessarily instant for you mm. um unless we're talking about kind of manipulation of energy that's at is already there yeah so instant weather magic for example is easy with enough practice because you become part of that ecosystem so changing something in that ecosystem becomes easier and easier to do mm. um or you're reliant on the animist method of just getting a quicker response from somebody else doing it um part of me feels like i haven't answered that question but at the same time there is that people fixate don't they on the kind of mentalism kind of approach yeah of kind of mind over matter but there is a limitation of what can be done in what time frame i think is the bit that people don't take into consideration so Throughout my magical career, 
And from learning and talking to and observing other magical practitioners or people that say that they practice magic, certainly some of the famous ones that write books and are on the YouTubes and all that sort of thing, famous uh, magical practitioners or like neo-pagans or anything like that, a lot of them seem to get pissy and go on and on about how life isn't like television, life isn't like Harry Potter and stuff like that. And, oh, I used to think this and I worked out the magic's really like that. And I wonder sometimes how many of them, well, we know that most of them aren't great magical practitioners in general, unfortunately. Um, but I wonder where the the kind of sweet spot is for you, because it's not like physical manifestations can't happen and physical things don't just kind of happen that look, appear to break the laws of physics. Because, I mean, most people with any real experience find that those things will happen, not necessarily on purpose. I think many of us have done magic and rituals and stuff like that and stuff starts happening in the corner of the room, you know. <laughs> that's not really kind of it to do with what you were trying to do you know um but then there's also the what is going a little bit too far you know because a lot of people will think levitation for example i can't say i've ever levitated as far as i'm aware or remember ever doing that but there'll be people that actively attempt to do that but then there'll also be people that have said i've had an experience doing that which whether they have or not who knows they might have been led there and felt like they're levitating but they might not have actually done it, you know, physically. Um, you know, all these different things. You've got like these yogis and these people that apparently go into altered states and get the power to stop eating food for the rest of their lives or stop breathing and still survive or do levitate and cross-legged on the floor, that kind of thing. And you kind of think, well, that to me seems very, very, very strange because from my experience from looking at the sort of paths that they're on, altered state of consciousness, going up the ladder, yes, more power, but also less of a connection to like your body in the world. So it's like why, if you were in that state, so you were quite high up the tree, your body's not gonna necessarily start levitating because you're at that level. If anything, your body's probably gonna go cold and you know going into like what is it that computers do like power save mode because like you're not really active there if anything's going to start dying for fuck's sake then like having some kind of weird manifestations around it in my experience anyway i don't know what your take on all of this is the physical manifestations and the line that you would draw from yes dear patron that's just joined that says that they Chris, you know, cr sit cross-legged on the floor and levitate. Would you take that as a, no, that person's a lying person or that they're mistaken or that they do do that or that you think that they're being somehow symbolic? You know, where would you take that? Where's your line between crazy, impossible or unlikely and yes, kind of accepted general weird manifestations mary poppins like manifestations um i don't rule them out entirely what why i don't spend my time and energy trying to emulate mm. is because i don't see its purpose mm. so being able to levitate for me has very little desire other than to kind of go oh um you know you want to see something witchy here you go like do you know what i mean like there is right. that as, as a party trick to prove um and you know liam you've known me long enough i'm not one for proving things um i'm normally one to go well if you don't believe me fuck you um and then so, they thought or dead normally <laughs> the there is that i don't have a desire to um prove my abilities to anybody um in a lot of ways it's i think that has something to do with why i hate tarot um mm. i hate the performance 
of magic um you know if you want to go and see a magical performance go and see a magician um that's their job my job is to get shit done um uh, not not perform for you um you know don't get me wrong i have done those things i have had great fun with flags and things like that when in my youth to prove manipulation of uh, weather magic quite nicely um but that was more my own curiosity and people happened to be there rather than um oh here's a parlor trick kind of thing um the nice thing about working with air spirits and kind of learning that kind of manip um, energetic manipulation is it what's one way to convince yourself mm. because well, sometimes sometimes this can air elements and stuff like that then you're going to want to work with them aren't you so if you're working with them then you've got to do something which means that that potentially is something that you end up doing i don't know so you know it's one of those things of when it comes to quite physical ma manifestations you're wanting to see where the limit of control is mm. um, and that's quite a very visual very easy to measure mm. way and the scientist in me always kind of wants to be able to make that measurable um because if it's measurable it's repeatable yeah. um and that 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 part of me it does get excited by that but the in terms of the other stuff the reason i can't deny it is because i have seen mummified bodies um that where kind of monks of different persuasions of the the buddhist variety yeah. have altered their body state mm. to the point that they have essentially calcified themselves mm. um into a position like do you know what i mean some kind of like that kind of longevity that's allowed allowed themselves by altered state I can't deny because I've seen it yeah. um, and looking at it astrally and going, oh, okay, I can see what you've done there is undeniable. Like that's not a, a, a forgery, although there are ones out there. Um, I remember seeing one at, uh, I want to say it was like Chessington World of Adventure or somewhere like that right? where they'd got like a, well, I'm, I'm kind of hoping, I don't remember it being real. Um, where there was one of these cases that you could go up and there was a a monk inside it that didn't uh, move. Okay. Um, I'm sure it was some. It was one. It's it's got to be a British one because I've not been anywhere in the other. They seem like the sort of people to do that sort of thing because they're on like a little island, aren't they? And they've got like little displays and stuff. Yeah. So I, you know, I don't think they would display someone's corpse like that but then you know i kind of assumed that it was a um a very good wax mm. you know because in this country you know we do make very good wax sculpture so they um i remember seeing one in my youth and kind of going oh i wonder if that's a, that's probably what made me go wanting to see it mm. um is seeing this one when I was younger, when I was little, little. Okay. Uh, of going, I wonder whether or not that's magically possible. Um, so one, one of the uh, concepts that I see, there's two things that I see frequently in um, television magic, that sort of thing, is the first one is that you need to learn to control psychic ability and your magical powers and stuff by focus, focus, focus. So they sit cross-legged on the floor and intensely think about bending a spoon and then it bends, when in reality it's actually a bird of paradise comes only to an open palm. The more you focus on it, the less likely it probably has happened. You, to, the more I focus on my hand and just tell it to move, no, you just need to do it, you know, which is a motion that you just go and do. That's why it's so difficult to teach a lot of times, hence the physiotherapy on a psychic level. Um, yeah. The thing is this idea of um, a lot of like you think of Shaolin monks or these monasteries and all that sort of thing, ancient teachings being passed down. 
with that, like you think of the whole Doctor Strange thing, it's like secret magical practices that have been hidden, but there are certain like skills that you have to learn and progress up through the ranks, which are not too different from say, you know, secret societies. But the idea that you first start to meditate, then you learn some sort of martial art, and then eventually you can break bricks with your uh, elbow. And then after that, you can start to levitate off the floor, that kind of thing, this kind of progression, tiered progression, which I find yeah. very interesting. And I find that that there's an element of truth to that, but it's often completely missed and bastardized by television and film. Um, and one of the things is that some of these abilities and stuff, it's the attempt to get there that teaches you along the way. So when you look at initiation rites particularly, then you look at these modern neo-pagan initiation rites and stuff, and it's kind of like, well, I wave this over you and you're initiated or you go through this experience, that kind of thing. To me, a lot of that kind of feels like a birthday. Birthdays are kind of like you don't really have to put a lot of effort. You just need to survive to celebrate your birthday. You know, it's just kind of like a thing. Initiation gets doled out quite easily. What I really like about some of the really old ones is that it's presented as almost like a skill or something that you need to master so you can have ideas of ones where you've got like walk through fire or walk on hot coals or stuff like that that you can kind of understand but some of the really interesting ones that i like are ones that come from places like the shaolin temple because you don't necessarily think of that as magic but is something that's existed for hundreds if not thousands of years of initiation of people going through and getting to a stage and not being allowed to go any further until they master this thing and also one of the interesting things about that is that you have to pick your own discipline so if you go there and you study there then you, you know you would go through the general curriculum and stuff like that but as like almost like a final piece for performance arts performance art score or something like that you would do your final piece final dance or something like that within that there's a specific skill that you have to choose to learn and then you'd have to do it in front of someone that was considered a master of that skill so there's ones like you can do a certain uh routine let's say with a a pole a stick a piece of bamboo but then you have to like jump on top and balance on the bamboo or there's one where you literally you wrap your legs around it, but the bamboo's on the floor, but you've wrapped your legs around it and you've got to balance yourself, which is really cool. You look like, and it looks like someone's levitating. It looks like someone's, you know, because you wouldn't be able to do that. But for years and years and years of practice with the proper technique, then people can end up doing that. So that requires a considerable amount of practice. But when they do it, they can do something like that conditioning the body and conditioning the mind i'm not seeing that in modern paganism i'm not seeing that in the neo-pagans they go on about understanding the psychology of magic and rituals they go on about understanding your body as a temple seldom do i see them doing it so if we know so much about technology now we know so much about the body now we have more fucking free time because we don't work you know until it gets dark at night in the fucking fields what is up with these people in this century they're trying to go down a pagan or a magical path of initiations and rites and stuff like that there's no skill well, what is this these initiations that seem people seem to be able to just do i mean we joke about the ones online but maybe we should start joking about the ones offline as well. Because I'm not seeing a lot of skill. <laughs> no. But then I think that a lot of that is down to where the people that are leading these groups learn their craft from. Um, there their is craft. this there there is this obsession their craft. with learning from books. Yeah which you know once upon a time i could see the justification yes. during the victorian period of how difficult it was to publish a book mm. um 
in order to get backing and all that kind of stuff, you either needed to be ridiculously wealthy or very, very charismatic. Um, mm. Those were the only two ways you were ever going to get published. Oh. Um, so kind of like now where any of us can publish on Amazon um, mm. and not even have to agree to a certain number of copies mm. before, um, there is a point where there is no upfront cost of publishing anymore um or you know in the way in which we receive information at this kind of um soundbite three minute rule um means that actually you don't even need to publish at this point um because as long as you've got enough followers on tiktok um you're suddenly an expert in your field so do you know and you just kind of like declaring a specialism is not a thing anymore even if they have done their test of what kind of witch am i um hmm. true would you say because i would say that this is what i think right true dedicants seats of a particular spirit or deity or you know whatever someone that's high up in a priest or priestess or who is a priest or priestess maybe not even a high priest or high priestess they should in some way shape or form be given some kind of gift or ability from the spirit that's relevant to the spirit that they work with i have never in throughout any of my fucking lifetimes that i can recall ever seen a dedicant priest, priestess, whatever, of a particular god, goddess, path, that kind of thing that has not been given or has not worked towards and obtained some kind of ability that mirrors, maybe to a lesser extent, but still mirrors that of that spirit. So, for example, if I'm a priestess of a Bridget or something like that, and I learned that from the Glastonbury Goddess Temple, you would expect the priest, certainly the person that's teaching the fucking course, but whoever the head priestess is of that particular cult in Glastonbury to be able to show that in the form of some kind of ability or power or something, it should be fucking obvious. Am I wrong? No, you should be able to... There's a trade-off that always occurs. The whole point of being a um, an acolyte or, or whatever of a, of a deity mm. is because it should expand your power range mm. regardless um, of whether or not... Do you know what I mean? So regardless of whatever your level is, there should be a difference yeah. in your... So that is either your psychic ability is better, uh, you have a particular ability now, um, you have an affinity with a certain group of other spirits. Like, there should be a trade-off uh. that requires a dedication. Because this is what you're talking about, you know, I think is what you're trying to get at, is in order for you to devote your entire life to one specific spirit what is the purpose of that and what was well, to a certain extent what is yeah i mean i just i don't know i've never ever seen a proper dedicant of us of a spirit in a proper priest priestesshood um tradition anything like that i've never ever seen the person that is running that organization who was the priest or who is the priestess or whatever it is not be able to show something that is blatantly obvious that it is a a ability of that spirit right so which is interesting in that it makes me think from a historical protect perspective from an academic perspective is that okay if you are a priest of thoth and you're a scribe or something like that why is it that every priest is some kind of amazing person linguistically potentially is it because the mystery school teaches linguistics probably is it because thoth bestows that on 
those that initiate into its cult, right? Or is it that, because we talk about spirits choosing who to work with, is it that the entrance exam or the test of being acquired by that is that they just pick people on a spectrum that have that natural yeah. ability that actually is nothing magical? Because <laughs> that doesn't get to me necessarily. Exactly. Why do why do they think that these <laughs> these houses? Because mm. let's face it, that's what they are. Um, these houses are full of a specific kind of animal. It's mm. not a mascot. Yeah. There is something about that particular particular animal in its characteristics and its abilities that are sacred. Mm. So, in order to emulate that as a being um, in this corporeal form, you are taking on that mantle, which mm. means in order to get chosen by that deity and actually be successful as, as a, a dedicant to that particular deity, you're going to have to have ticked particular boxes. Mm-hmm. And to allow that to happen you need to be able to fulfill that role. Um, yeah. So for me, yes, it's it's obvious that to me, anybody under a mercurial spirit is going to be talented in that method. Either they have a natural ability that gets better mm. or um, they have bargained for a life of service mm. to gain that. Those those are for me what you would have these initiates in these um, sacred schools in these mystery mystery cults is is that there is either you've gone there because there is a clear deficit and you feel like the only way you'll ever be good at this is to dedicate and and be prepared for those consequences or you have been selected predeterminedly. Um, as the perfect candidate. So we've pretty much reached the end of this podcast and we started talking about uh, Mary Poppins. So I'd like to finish talking somewhat about Mary Poppins, right? So at the end of the Mary Poppins, spoiler alert, at the end of Mary Poppins, the family get all jolly and jovial and they bugger off and fly a kite. And Mary Poppins just kind of smiles and then she basically just fucks off without saying goodbye to anyone, right? Her work is done. She's touched that family so deeply and, you know, changed their lives potentially. And yet she just buggers off. Now, we could talk about whether she's a sociopath and that was just a fake smile at the end. Or maybe she's smiling because she's thinking, thank God I'm out of that household. I don't know. We don't know. That will forever be a mystery. What I am interested in knowing is that she finishes her work teaching with a smile how do you say goodbye to someone you're mentoring so when is it you decide it's not time for me to mentor you anymore you've got off you go it's time for you to go is there a point where that happens do they have to please to get you do you say oh the wind's blowing i'm fuck me i'm off bye do you say goodbye do you just disappear what what is it that chris does at the end of the mentor it naturally happens to me right um so they get to the point that they are capable of getting to and the meetings get less and less until they're no longer required like i don't i don't have a hard fast you're done now um although i have considered it Mm. um i think fading into the background works for me which i think is kind of what poppins is doing there which is she's gone well i don't because she'll go so they'll get home and they'll be like oh she's gone we didn't actually get to say goodbye to her and she does that on purpose doesn't she she don't want to say goodbye well the wind changed she had a good time the wind changed right um, but let's be fair, she probably has power over the wind. She probably made it fucking change, didn't she? So, you know, it's one of those things I just thought I'd ask, because I'm sure there are people that would want to know 
But I think that's really interesting, just the fact that it's something that probably the client or the mentee doesn't necessarily even notice because they approach you once a month then it's like once every couple of months and then before you know I haven't spoken to him for over a year yeah and then it kind of just fades out is there magic afoot there is there some kind of mind wipe forget me type spell or is this I'm, really I'm, just mundane I'm not giving my secrets away on here um but the but there is a a naturalness to it shall we say and let's put it there okay well there we go i suppose that naturally reaches an end to this show 